Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, I'm Craig. Joining me today is uh, newly married Vince Travato. How are you doing, Vince? <laughs> I'm doing great, Craig. How are you? Great. So, yeah, I want to congratulate Vince and Miss Alina Travato. Um, your fiance is now your wife, and congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I thought that uh, maybe Chad or Scotty would get there first, but you know what? We we did it. So, yeah, we're, we're all good. I think that you guys had some sort of bet um, on one of our episodes back in maybe, let's see, June-ish or July-ish of 2022 as to whether or not uh, Lena and I would officially get married before or after a Brewers uh, World Championship, so we may want to go back and check the tapes. But I think it was probably June-ish of, of 2022. Yeah. So unfortunately, as Brewer fans know, the answer is well, it's before. Yeah, I thought I was going to be pretty close. Uh, unfortunately, I was dead wrong on that. <laughs> and my, <laughs> I guess over the. How many years now? Almost 20 years of Brooker Review. Uh, I've been known to be a little bit yeah. pessimistic at times. However, um, this going into this postseason, if you watch or listen to our, let's just say, last podcast, um, I was pretty optimistic about the first chance. I thought that, we, you know, the stars were kind of aligned and I kind of have a feeling how the MLB playoffs are going to play out, play out, you know, none of the real pillars of, uh, you know, like New York Yankees or New York Mets and all this stuff. We're in the playoffs this year. And, and I thought there was some, it was time for some fresh blood. Um, and obviously um, the, I thought the birds had a good chance. Obviously the Braves came in as the best team in baseball, but I had a feeling the, the Phillies could knock them off. And if we were to get by the depleted Dodger, you know, first of all, got past the wildcat run, got past the depleted Do- Dodgers in a five game series. That maybe we you know could have home field advantage with NLCS against the Phillies. All that would have played out, but instead we fell in two games in the wild card series to the Diamondbacks, unfortunately, and now they're in our place. And uh, unfortunately, the Phillies look like a really strong team as well. So who knows how it would have played out? But um, I guess I'll the Sunday before the last game of the season, the Sunday, um, the, you know, obviously we find out we're playing the Diamondbacks. I was still very optimistic. Then two straight. Three straight uh, days of getting kicked in the teeth as a Brewer fan. First of all, Monday, I go on my lunch break from work. I already got my tickets in hand for a game, one of the um, wild card series. And uh, all of a sudden, I get breaking news. Brandon Woodruff going to miss wild card series, most likely the playoffs. And now, as we find out, all of 2020, most likely all of 2024 season with a shoulder Shoulder injury that was turned into shoulder surgery, which is a nightmare, unfortunately, for the Brewer fans. Uh, and then the next day, still jazzed up attending game one of the wild card series with my brother and my nephew, our, one of our number one listeners, Alex. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, his very first playoff game, unfortunately, was a disappointment as someone who really loathes uh, Jesse Winker. He was pretty upset with Jesse Winker's uh, late game at bat, not knowing, th- thinking he was off the team about four months ago, um, that he made a sudden appearance out of nowhere um, to put up the worst at bat in the history of Major League Baseball, swinging and missing at the first two pitches, hurting his oblique on the second swing, <laughs> going back up to the bat and swinging and missing a third time. And, uh, yeah, so that was um, I, terrible. It's like all you- 
it's like all you can do is laugh at this point. I I don't understand the logic of uh, including Jesse Winker on the postseason roster myself. It seemed like, you know, even if he had been healthy for the past couple months, that's a questionable decision. I guess maybe you could make the argument, okay, left-handed power threat off the bench. But uh, the fact that he had been injured and had not seen big league pitching for several months and just sort of been lingering around Nashville, I really do question some of the roster decisions that were made. And I, I would like a better explanation from the Brewers at some point uh, whether it be Matt Arnold or, or Craig Council, so we're going to have to utilize our press passes a little bit more and ask some of these questions. I think um, it just seems as far like, as the left-handed I, power back goes, um, I, I think he had one home run in the three months as a Brewer. So yeah, yeah. no, absolutely not. No, I totally agree. Right I, I totally, totally agree. To- totally agree. I don't understand the logic at all. And Owen Miller, um, I guess, has some utility, but it's not like he was really tearing things up in Nashville either. So. Some of the roster decisions going into the postseason were very questionable, in my opinion. And I, I don't, I don't fully understand kind of what was happening there. I know that, you know, Rowdy was not swinging a hot bat either, but I certainly would have rather had Rowdy Telez on the postseason roster than Jesse Winker myself. I mean, as someone, it's almost like a slap in his face, or someone who put up a really good twenty twenty two season for us um, as a Brewer. I mean, I, I don't understand how Rowdy doesn't make that over. Winker, but there was a bunch of questionable decisions. Um, unfortunately, it was almost like a carbon copy of game one and game two of that series at AmFam Field. We, we jumped out to early lead with an ace pitcher on the mound, and Corbin Burns was great. But then the middle innings, um, they got to us um, with some – obviously, Corbin Carroll is a ridiculously good player, and I'm starting to call him Ronald Cunha light because, I mean, as a rookie, put up 25 homers and fit – 54 steals that's ungodly stats for any player of any season of their career let alone a rookie and he was a thorn on our side during this two-game series obviously uh but the rest of their lineup you know could tell Marte had a I think homers in both games if I don't and Alex Thomas had a homer in the second game and Moreno before had a homer I mean it was just um, and then, so once they took that, once they took even a one run lead as a Brewer fan, it felt like an insurmountable lead, which is ridiculous for a playoff team. I mean, you have to have some faith in your lineup to be able to score some runs. And myself, my brother, and my nephew had zero faith. And I think most of the Brewer fans sitting in our section and all the sections connected to ours had zero faith. The Brewers could come back and they did not. Uh, uh, so it was a really terrible game. And of course, Devin Williams came up, came in late in the ninth the the top of the ninth inning to try to hold a one-run lead. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. So game one did not go well. And then game two was almost like a carbon copy where we jumped out to a two-nothing lead and got to a gallon real quick. And then Freddie Peralta was, I think, had a lot of no hits through four innings. So things were looking promising, thinking if we could force a third game of that series, you know, with Wade Miley, but most likely on the mound, that'd be good, good things. But Fortunately, they rallied in the middle innings, and then once they took the lead over us, it felt like, again, insurmountable, and that we had no chance, and that was exactly the case. And that's, I mean, it's just a pathetic showing for the Brewers, and uh, three straight days getting uh, kicked in the teeth as a Brewer fan, and then sent home. So uh, to be, to say, as a Brewer fan, I was heartbroken is uh, somewhat of an understatement, actually. Yeah. um, You know, I I think that you and I probably disagreed a little bit on the trajectory of the team, although you were absolutely correct on the Braves getting knocked out by the Phillies in the first round. I, I didn't think that this team had the offense to really compete against Atlanta, um, who I had, you know, said certainly was going to be the team that comes out of the national league. But, um, 
there were so many holes in this team's offense going back to the you know before the season uh, really it was just like some of these needs never got addressed and then um you know as we discussed in our pre-production meeting i thought that the guys that the brewers brought in uh during at the trade deadline were great pickups you know mark canna and, and carlos santana but i don't think it was enough you know they were sort of you know they took this approach like you couldn't really take on salary and and you know i think that one of the major takeaways that i've had over the past i would say two or three seasons really with this front office is that the brewers have this incredible pitching staff you know with woodruff burns and peralta you've got the best pitching staff one one to five probably in team history you've got guys like wade miley who literally would have been aces on brewer scenes of the past in the late 90s or the early 2000s and we don't ever spend the money on hitting. And it just, I know that not every answer is going to come through free agency, but imagine if the Brewers had a guy like Nick Castellanos in the lineup for Matt Olson and they had targeted him intelligently in a trade. Imagine if we would have been able to take on some of these guys and you put a big power bat in that lineup that really solidifies things and, and gives protection to some of the other talented, you know, bats that we do have in that lineup. So I understand that we're a smaller market. I understand that there's some constraints, but I really thought that there were some options available for the brewers to look at, um, to, to kind of creatively look at ways to, to plug some of those gaps. And unfortunately it seems like this piecemeal approach to roster construction continues to haunt the brewers in the postseason. It's like, okay, we're good enough to get to the postseason, but we get overmatched quickly. And uh, when you're talking about a, a you know, a, a, a short series against a good team. Yes, the pitching is going to be the probably the most important factor when you've got Corbin Burns going. That's a really good thing. But again, if you don't have the offense to to allow your fans to have some hope that once we're down by two runs, that we're going to be able to come back. That's a major problem. And you look at teams. Uh, you know, I was able to watch the Rangers Astros game last night. Both of those teams' offenses don't give up after getting down by even four runs. And um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. I think that the the perception of fans of other franchises is totally different when it comes to the offense. So I, I view this as a major systemic problem right now for the Brewers, and I I do have a lot of hope and faith in, in some of the younger guys that come up and provide you know some of that spark to the offense as we started to see this year with guys like Self Free. Like I, their maturity wasn't quite there yet this year to really. I think get the most out of the talent levels of guys like Joey Weimer uh, or even Self Free. Like I think that those talent levels are going to continue to rise, but. Um, you know, you you got to give them some veteran protection in there outside of just a piecemeal approach. And I think that, that means getting a big marquee name uh, to sit in the middle of that lineup. Yeah, I mean, so the, we just really should identify the window of contention that we had um, last year and this year. I thought was our 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 the best part of our our current window with our current regime. Uh, obviously, everyone knows that Burns, Woodruff, and Adamus, a pretty big core to the center of our of this team, uh, are going to be free agents at the end of 2024, and so likelihood of all those guys going all the way to free agency is probably very unlikely, uh, possible but unlikely. So you knew that they really had to try to go for last year's. So what did we do last year? We traded Josh Hader at the deadline and kicked the can down the road for some reason, even though we were in first place that time. What did we do this season at the deadline? We acquired some more bats, but they were very, you know, and, and no offense to Carlos Santana or Mark Hanna and, uh, and Josh Donaldson, but I mean, those guys are veterans that are kind of past their prime. Obviously, it's good to add one of those guys during a stretch run, but to add all those guys and expect them to be a core to bring some offense. I mean, we should have been more proactive when we entered our window and, and look at our, 
I guess we're just holding on to our prospects a little bit too much instead of trading them into an established bat, maybe even a controllable bat. Like, for instance, we should have been looking at our, our long-term uh, future here. Obviously, Yelich long-term in the, signed in the in the outfield. And we had Weimer, um, Freelich, Mitchell, and also Jackson Trio all coming up as future outfielders. We're going to have a crunch in the outfield and, and have to fix that very, very soon, actually. And so, and we're not even talking about guys like Tyrone Taylor who are still controllable. So, I mean, we should have identified which one of those guys were most expendable and try to trade them for a more established bat, possibly at an infield corner, which, you know, other guys have big boppers. Other contenders have big boppers at the corners, and we have not that. I mean, we've got, we've had a rotating carousel of bargain bin crap at first base and third base for a very long time and it needed to stop and we didn't put a stop to it so i mean it is what it is we basically reap what we sowed yeah. as a front office and and that's you know that's what we did so unfortunately our offense yeah i think that the, yeah i think that the last big real threat that we had at third base was Ramos ramirez who we signed as a free agent back in 2012 so we're talking over a decade ago be, be you know since we last got a huge bat at third base and, and same thing with probably the last Prince left April. after 20, 20, yeah. Prince left after twenty eleven. So we've had a hole at third base and first yeah. base for basically over ten years. That's ridiculous. I mean, and, yeah, and, the, and, at least one of the two. Yep. And, and it's their philosophy, Arnold and Stearns, who came from Tampa Bay, to that you can easily bargain bill fill the corner infield spots because there's plenty of those journeyman guys to grab. Well, that's fine. There's plenty of guys that have power, but then they can't hit. There's some guys that can hit, but then they don't have power. They're just not, you know, you might be able to get them on the cheap, but they're just not quality major league players, period, and shouldn't be starting. And so that's the problem that we've had, basically. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been a very frustrating postseason. And I, you know, again, that's why I I've really felt like the Brewers were not in a position to go far in this postseason. I think, you know, again, you look back at the pitching, and that's, that's obviously there. It's a matchup against any team in baseball. But, you know, if you don't have that offense to, to take – a, a, a short deficit and turn that into a, a, a win after the sixth inning, you can't really expect to go very far in the postseason, unfortunately. And it just seems like that the Brewers have continued to build for this, like get to the postseason mentality. And I know it's been said by some of our colleagues and other media sources, but you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the bucks of the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, you know, up until they finally won a championship. But um, it kind of reminds me of the Bucks, where they would get into the playoffs most years and lose in the first round. And it's just because the talent level is simply not there. And that is, that's the hard reality that it's tough to face as a Brewers fan right now. Yeah. And I hope, I'm hoping now that you're right. Obviously you were right. The fact that they didn't have the offense go all the way this year. Um, but, you know, most Brewers fans probably don't believe and including myself that we're going to, Go, we're going to complete the 2024 season with all of our free agents still in tow, so to speak. But I think that that option still could be on the table. And maybe I'm hoping that you're right in that we have one more year of this window with this team because now that Woody is going to miss most likely all of next year or possibly at least almost all of it, if he can make it back by the September of next year, that would still be awesome. But we can't trade him anymore. And so he may have pitched his last game as a brewer, as sad as that uh, is to say out loud, but because um, yeah. he's a free agent at the end of next year. So if he doesn't show that he's healthy, we're not, the brewers cannot risk as a, as a smallest market team in baseball, giving him a, a contract that he's going to demand even with the injury. So unfortunately, unless we can, you know, work something out short term with him or something like that I think that he's as good as gone now with him injured, you really 
have to pause on if you give away burns before the start of 2024 you're really just punting the whole 2024 season at this point almost so you have to really probably pause on doing that and hold them to at least the trade deadline if you're in contention then i guess you got to ride them to the end of the year if you're not you can consider trading with the trade deadline i guess adamas i guess is kind of a mixed bag he, he's coming off a down season so his value is going to be down um and you know if we keep him he's got to have to rebound we're going to be in the same boat most likely you know you might as well just hold on to him one of the reasons why i think we can be in position to do that even though it seems stupid as a small market team is the fact that we haven't emptied out our farm system over the last couple of years trying to quote unquote go for it so in reality i don't feel that we have to restock our farm or anything because we've kept all of our prospects anyway so i guess because of that philosophy i guess might as well just write them out to the free agency um offer them qualifying offer yeah. and if they don't take it take the pick i guess i guess that's not a terrible way of going about it most other gms will probably think it's stupid and fans but maybe it's a way to go with the current setup but we'll see how the offseason plays out we won't get too much into that during this podcast but in future ones we will but as of right now it's looking pretty grim and unfortunate news that brandon woodruff has undergone so shoulder surgery and again that's not like elbow surgery it's not there's a lot of lot more question marks coming back from that. Some of those can be career threatening, and it, it's just sad. And and you kind of had a feeling that Woody knew about that when he came out the Monday before the playoffs started, and it was like crying at a press conference, knowing that he was probably you know definitely not coming back for the any any of the playoff run the Brewers might have had. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't yeah. miss out on much. So. Yeah, well, I you know I I know we we are going to touch on this in future podcast episodes, but I I actually firmly believe that the Brewers should uh, hold on to to Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas instead of trading them going into the year at least. I I I do hope that the Brewers take the approach that 2024 could still be a big year uh, despite Woodruff's injury, and um, maybe Woody is able to come back uh, in later parts of the season and he is able to contribute down the stretch still um if you're thinking optimistically that could be an option and you try to fill that gap you know you do have some guys like uh like ashby who are coming back from injury uh next year that may be able to step up and and be a bigger part of the rotation you could sign a a, you could sign a pitcher to a you know a a one-year contract uh in kind of an all-in move and and look to trade him at the deadline if it's not gonna work out um so there are some options. I, I think that the first need needs to be to address the offense. But again, we'll get into this in a, in a later episode. I, I think this is sort of the the postmortem here on the unfortunate ending to the 2023 season. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I do think that it would be unwise for the Brewers to completely punt on 2024. I'll just say that. Yeah, and it should be noted that Devin Williams is a free agent after the 2025 season, so we have to legit look at possibly of trading him next offseason obviously for a small market team like us it makes zero sense to try to you know pay for a top line closer which that one's going to be when he hits free agency so you got to look at trading him before he's afraid and for sure so i think yeah i think maybe they have to you know look at trading someone like weimer uh and some other prospects to try to upgrade our offense this offseason and in, in a turn just go forward in 2024 take whatever picks you can get for the guys that become free agents next year and then trade Devin Williams next offseason um and, and then basically so maybe maybe the window is not 100% shut but it's 99% shut and if the Brewers are going to go for it in 2024 then I think that's maybe something that's on the table and then they can even have some hopes that Woody comes back come the end of next season and that we still have the big three 
and Devin Williams and a better offense going into the next playoffs. But there's so many variables. You don't know what other teams are going to improve. You know, the Braves are still going to be awesome. The Phillies are obviously good. The, the teams in L Central are, are improving, all of them, uh, besides maybe the Cardinals. Uh, and so, you, you know, it's not going to be a gimme division like it was this year. Uh, going forward, it's going to be a dogfight to the end, and no spot in the postseason is going to be guaranteed for this team going forward. So, well, that's for sure. And we still haven't talked about the need to address the actual offense. I mean, again, the issue, even with a healthy Woodruff and Burns and Peralta and Devin Williams still on the team is still that we don't have an offense that can compete, that can compete against some of the better teams in baseball against the Phil- the Phillies or the Braves of the world. So, you know, I do think that the Brewers are going to have to seriously look at, you know, what can happen in the offseason to bring in a, a bat, uh, whether that's on a big one-year deal for somebody or, um, or some other strategy. I, I don't think that we can just simply say, oh, okay, well, Garrett Mitchell is going to be healthy all year and that's going to be our big move. Um, it's not good enough anymore. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I think that many fans are frustrated because the Brewers mindset has simply been to kind of improve from within through healing of injuries, it seems like in many ways. And I, I don't think that, I don't think that the team is good enough, even with that. I think that the team needs some outside help. No, I agree. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Think about trading some of the, you know, Joy Weimer or some, you know, a major league ready bat or something like that, that we can part with. Um, but, you know, the one, you know, maybe a shot in the arm for the offense could be Jackson Trio next year. He's going to be 20 and yeah. maybe self like has a breakthrough. Maybe Garrett Mitchell turns into an all-star. Obviously Bryce Trang gives us some nice options at shortstop and second base. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe way, Bryce Trang should have, by the way, Bryce Terang, not to interrupt you, Craig, but yeah. Bryce Terang, it's a it's a travesty that he was not on the finalist list for Gold Glove at second base in the National League. Those lists were released yesterday, and our interns handed me the 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 list, and I was like, this is ridiculous. That Bryce Terang isn't even listed as a a finalist for the award. I thought that he played outstanding defense. The fact that he's a rookie um, is amazing to me, considering the defense that he gave. the The stability that he provided up the middle was just a huge boon to the Brewers and very underrated. Yeah. Um, I never get those lists. I mean, whenever they come out, there's always good, you know, decent, obviously good gloves guys, but they always also have. Well, talk to talk to Scotty's intern. They're the ones that gave me the list, Craig. Scott's interns put those together. Yeah, we're gonna have to fire some interns here, Scott. Yeah, pick up the slack. But anyway, no, I mean, I don't get it either. So, um, all right, on to our next subject. Um, I'm not sure if we're gonna have time for our third subject was gonna be the Brewers uh, stadium financing issue, but because uh, I think that's that's a lengthy discussion. I mean, we can say that one for the next podcast. But I do want to talk about Craig Council. Obviously, he's now the season is over. He is not under contract. There's a whole bunch of speculation on what could be happening. The latest thing I read um, uh, from John Hyman was the fact that. Council is more than willing to stay in Milwaukee, but he wants to be paid compensated um, for it as much as he would as if he left. So I get yeah. the impression. I think I think the best paid manager in baseball is something only makes like six and a half million a year, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't see why Mark Antonasio wouldn't be willing to match that. What I, I think Council made like what three million this year or something in that range. Uh, there's just no yeah. reason in order to keep him to sign him a contract that would pay him that much because if Stearns or anyone on New York wants wants them, they're going to be more than willing to pay that salary. I mean, they're shelling out that to you know back up outfielders or whatever. So I mean, there's no reason that if Council you know want, and again, they might not it, they might be outbid for him at this point because they didn't pony up the money. I, I think if Mark Antonacci would have been like, look, I'm going to make you the best paid manager in baseball if you stay in Milwaukee. Here's a contract. 
at the time, rather than getting a bidding war, I think council would have signed it. Why he didn't do that, I don't know. But now I'm to the point, and Mark Antonis has been a, an owner long enough, that the word cheapskate has to enter the conversation. Yeah, um, I, that's that's an interesting point. So I, I do think that Craig, I'm going to predict that he either stays in Milwaukee or he retires. Um, the only thing I could really see him leaving the Brewers for isn't just money. I, I know what our colleague John Hammond said, but I do think that he's probably – he got some organ not only organizational loyalty at this point, but he listen, he's got two houses in Wisconsin. Uh his money goes a lot further in Wisconsin than it would in New York. He is comfortable with the organization clearly. He's been here for a number of years. Uh he grew up a Brewers fan. So if he gets paid remotely fairly, I think he's gonna stay if he wants to stay. I think that there is some truth to the fact that, you know, he does have some other things in life to do besides just managing baseball uh games. I think that you know, there he's got two sons now who are playing Big Ten college baseball, uh, one at Michigan and one in Minnesota, who do travel and, you know, are playing at a high enough level that it would probably be of interest to Craig to go watch them play as often as possible, certainly at, at that age. Um, so that could be a very real consideration. And maybe he moves to a front office role for, for that reason. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I think that if anything, he's he's going to either do one of those two options. I think he either retires uh, for family reasons or, or he stays in Milwaukee and signs another, uh, you know, maybe one or two year deal. Um, I, I do think that the transition, if he were to leave, is going to be pretty seamless. I, I think it'll probably devolve to Pat Murphy at that point and that Craig takes a front office role um, if he chooses not to manage. But, you know, first of all, I, the quality of life uh I think for a guy like Craig seems to be much stronger in a place like, you know, Wisconsin than New York. I think that, um, again, given his longstanding ties in the, in the area that he's probably going to want to stay if it's a remotely competitive offer from the brewers and, um, even, even financial considerations, you know, the, the tax rate in New York is higher than it is in Wisconsin. There are, there are things that, you know, do kind of play into it rather than just the pure numbers. So, you know, I, I don't think I the would, tax rate I is going to, I mean, okay. For example, I think that if Mark Anton says, okay, I'll pay you a two-year contract, $5 million a year, New York comes along and says, yeah. we'll pay you $9 million for four-year contract. I mean, that's a significant yeah, amount of money dollars. of a difference. Yeah. That's 10 million total over 36 million total. As much as the taxes, as much as the Milwaukee loyalty, whatever, money talks and BS walks when it comes down to these countries. And, and we know this over time. Obviously, there's some loyalty, and we know we've got he's got brewer blood flowing through him. But he has won World Series with both the Marlins and the, and the Diamondbacks as a player. Uh -huh. And I think that he's more than comfortable going to wherever the money is. I, I don't I don't think that that's the type of Craig Council that I know that that's how he's going to act. But I, and that's why I'm saying I, I really been blaming this on Mark Antonacci without really knowing what's going on behind the scenes. I think that if Council has offered a a favorable contract extension before this, he would have signed it and he would be locked in. I don't think that he's going to retire. There's a possibility in my mind that he could take a one year off baseball, but the guy's a consummate baseball player. He's got baseball run through his blood, not just Milwaukee Brewer baseball, but like, I, I think he's going to manage uh -huh. for a very long time and be a good one. In fact, I think that he's got a good chance of win manager of the year this year. Um, so yeah, I, I do too. No, he should, we should win manager of the year. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that family is very important to him. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't foresee him going to a different organization. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I, I just, I don't think that he's looking to kind of rock the boat in that way. I think that he'll want to get paid a fair amount, but it doesn't have to necessarily be the exact same amount. So I, I, 
I would be shocked personally if he goes to a different organization. Yeah. Well, I think all Brewer fans will be shocked because I, I think that they're really bought in the narrative that, oh, no, no, he's, he'll, he'll want to return. But I think that it still comes down to money. I mean, that's just the bottom line when it comes to business. If if it's a significant amount of money offered to him somewhere else and a similar opportunity with a better chance of winning a World Series, why would he not take that? I mean, I mean, yeah, I think for family reasons, to be honest. Yeah, I think for family reasons, to be honest. But that's you know, again, we'll we'll see what but, happens but here in the any, any manager that's ever made a decision to take a job anywhere has has had family decisions to think about, and and that that's a nice yeah. narrative, but. Ultimately, all these things, when player movement, manager movement, when jobs are offered and money is put on the table, when you're talking about the difference of millions upon millions of dollars, it's always the money that wins yeah. out in these situations. And I think, unfortunately, I just I feel after reading the, the uh, uh, John Hyman article that really, if he's offered a fair compensation, he'll stay in Milwaukee. If he's not, then he's more than willing to vault elsewhere. That's where I think he's at. And I think Mark Antonio yeah, is in Mark Antonio's court right now, and I don't have faith that he's going to step up. And that's why I just threw out the word. No, I because yeah, I, I will definitely agree with you that Mark Gavinazzi was has made choice after choice in the last few seasons that kind of indicates he's not willing to put an increased amount of revenue into the team, and and he prides himself, I think, more on the 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 corporate angles of the of the club rather than the competitive angles of the club, and you know he's really kind of I, well. I think he's capped the Brewers to a point on what we're able to do. You know, it's like we have to, we can't, we can't have it all at once. And it, if, if that's truly the point that we're at, that we really have to look at, you know, is Adonacio the right owner for this team at this point and who might emerge as a possible successor to Mark Adonacio? Because I, I'm not really comfortable with the Brewers' approach at this point, whether it's at the deadline or whether, whether it's in the offseason or whether it's in some of their, you know, even some of their more corporate angles. I, I am appreciative of all of the good things that have happened in Brewers baseball in the last, you know, 15, 20 years since Mark Adonacio came into power. But I do think that there are some, you know, some kind of uh, holes emerging in, in some of the ways that things are done right now. Well, as the owner of the team, there's nothing to really push him out. If he doesn't want to sell a team, he won't sell a team. Obviously, he's got a couple of younger boys. If he, if his, if it's his uh, choice to pass that on eventually to his sons or whatnot, like a lot of um, owners of franchises and sports have done over the years, then that's maybe something he's looking to do. So, so he doesn't have to change his philosophy. He's not going to be, he can put as much pressure on him as fans as he want, but he's going to do what he wants to the team. If the team is making money now, it, it's been an unbelievably good investment for him. I think he paid like $223 million to the Brewers and now they're valued at over a billion dollars less than 20 years later. Right. I'd say that's a pretty darn good right. uh, return on investment. And that's only going to go up from there. So, He's got the money. He could spend if he wants. If he really had a burning desire to win a championship for this city or for his organization, um, he could do that. He could he could uh, start to. I mean, it's easier said than done to do that. But he could, you know, put before the better effort to do that. He doesn't strike me as someone who has a burning desire to win a championship like a lot of other franchise owners does. He seems like a smart businessman who is doing likes to running the team almost as a hobby. And it's been a good investment for him as a businessman. And besides that, he'll do what he's, he can do to stay competitive every year. But if he's going to do what it takes to put us over the edge of winning a championship, I don't know that he's going to be willing to do that. He hasn't shown that as of right now. And he's had plenty of opportunity right. to do so. So, unfortunately, I mean, he, even the Yelich signing was, you know, he paid up for that. And obviously it looked bad to, from the get-go. I think it'll be fine. But, um, you know, even that was a, a somewhat of a discount for him. And, and I think it was just a smart business move to lock up a franchise player 
to you know for yeah. jersey sales and put to butts market in seats. to market that yeah, yeah so so i mean yeah. that just seemed like a wise business move not necessarily a move to want to try to win a championship so there are some other owners that are very vocal and spend a lot of money and don't really accomplish anything so i mean you you, you know it, it all just there's a it's not a formula that's going to necessarily win, but I think when we're in contention and we want to, to make a push to try to bring home a championship, those are the times where you've got to open up the purse strings a little bit more. And he hasn't really shown that he's been willing to do that uh, so much uh, over, over the last six years with the Brewers making the playoffs in five of those and almost in the six years. So, I mean, I don't know what you can do. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I, so we'll, we'll see how it goes going forward. But um, my opinion of yep. Mark Antonazzi, he seems like a really down to earth guy. Um, I just don't know that he, and he probably doesn't, he doesn't seem to me and strike me as someone who has a big ego with that down to earth style. Like, so to him, sometimes that ego can really drive <laughs> things as, as an owner. And sometimes it can be a good thing for someone who's trying to, you know, accomplish uh, a goal of a championship. So um, yeah. In this instance, I think it's kind of just missing, which has some good traits. But also, when it comes to the, to the, you know, I really want to win and have this as my on my mantle, so to speak, and do this for the city. Uh, I don't think he's fired up as he's he doesn't have uh, you know that Brewer fandom running through his veins. I think he'd be fine just running a good business and getting a good return on his investment at some point. Well, yeah, he's not he's not from Milwaukee either, you know. And that, again, that's not a complete critique. I guess George Steinbrenner wasn't from New York, but at the same time, it's sort of a he he's not immersed in the day-to-day he still lives i think he still has a house in milwaukee but he lives in new york he lives in los angeles and he's not he's not necessarily bleeding for the city i think that he you know kind of comes in when he can and it's sort of a hobby and it's nice and it's all great but it really is just an investment at the end of the day i think he chose the brewers because the brewers were available not because he loved the brewers and wanted to you know to invest long term in the community and i think that 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 partially gets into the stadium debate, which I don't know that we've got time for today, which we could do on a different show here coming up. But I, I do think that um, you're, you're onto something where, you know, again, it's just a business. It's not necessarily going to be a passion. I, I think he, he does want to win, but it's not necessarily what drives his decisions. Um, and I don't think he really gets involved a ton from the front office uh, point of view either. I think that, you know, perhaps the front office feels a little bit more limited because there's some number that's given in a budget that Antonasio may or may not even be privy to, to those conversations like on a daily basis. So I, I don't know, but it's, uh, and we're going to have to find out, um, you know, for, as we can here through our press passes going forward. But I, I do think that we should probably ask our anonymous source, Tom Carter, about, you know, kind of some of the deliberations that are going on inside the Brewers uh, this offseason, because it'll be really interesting to, to kind of see the approach both through ownership and, and through the personnel on the field going forward. Uh, from Tom Carter. Yeah, again, TC and the information he provides um, isn't really anonymous. Like when we say his full name, I guess, is what he tried to tell me. Send me a lot of emails, huh. some of them angry. But um, anyway, our, 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 most of our interns, Scott's interns, are deleting those, I guess. So anyway, um, yeah. yeah, no, I obviously a disappointing end to the 2023 Milwaukee Brewers season after, you know, pretty successful run where we won the game with like, or I'm sorry, not one game. Won the division, kind of going away, so to speak. Yep. I think we really, I in fact, I think the Brewers clinched the division sooner than any other um, team in franchise history. I think. Uh, Interesting. So that, I, I, you know what? I'm not positive on that. We'll we will post that on social media. Uh, we'll have Scott's interns 
uh, do some research and we will post that on social media for those who are, are listening to our show and expecting some follow-up. We will get that information out and, and see what the earliest uh, clinching postseason date is in franchise history. It was, it, it does deserve to be said, not to just be completely negative on this. The Brewers did make the postseason for the ninth time in franchise history, which is pretty exciting. Um, so, you know, that, that does add to that, um, which is exciting and, and good. We just want to keep that momentum going forward. And it's, you know, I think the question always becomes, how do you take the next step? And that's, that is what I think this front office seems to be lacking is the ability to know what to do to take the next step. And we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you know, I think no, I mean, some major decisions. I do appreciate Scott's interns that we haven't fired yet, uh, that they do do some correcting of the stats I sometimes make up, but I'm pretty sure, again, this is another one I'm kind of making up, but I think it's correct, is that the Brewers, <laughs> since their 2018 run with this regime all the way to within the seventh game of the NLCS against the Dodgers, since then the Brewers have made the postseason four other times, and in those four seasons they are one and eight in the playoffs. Yep. So that's, that's correct. Pretty, pretty terrible. So that needs yep. to be corrected moving forward. And hopefully 2024 is the year of the Milwaukee Brewers, but we shall see. All right. Well, yeah, thanks quick, for tuning quick, in. Before we, quick, a uh, quick note here, Craig, before we uh, close, I just wanted to give a RIP to former Brewers actually passed away since our last taping, unfortunately, a member of the 1970 uh, original Milwaukee Brewers and Seattle pilots, Wayne Comer, an outfielder uh, passed away as did uh, former pitcher Jeff Paterik, who pitched for the Brewers in 1989. So um, unfortunate to note, but did want to mention that here on our podcast, since I know a lot of what we do talk about is Brewers history related, as well as the, the current team on the field. So did want to mention that. Uh, my condolences to them. Uh, may them rest in peace. Uh, as a side note, uh, did you acquire both their autographs uh, before they passed? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I sent them both letters, uh, got one back from, Wayne Comer back in 2018 when I started my project and I was able to pick up a Jeff Paterik one on eBay back around the same time. Okay, nice. All right. Well, at least there's always eBay. So hopefully someone out there has these guys autographs that you can collect it, but, but yeah, getting them firsthand from them um, as they're, you know, that that's, that's cooler than ever. So that's a really cool project. I'd, yeah. I'd love to see your collection someday. Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, man. Stop. Sounds great. Well, let's do that. Uh, we are, uh, the update is that I am down to, I think nine guys or something like that besides current players. So yeah, we're, we're, we're getting through it. The toughest one that I just knocked off was Hector Ramirez, a, a former pitcher for the Brewers. You may remember him. He pitched for parts of two seasons, 1999 and 2000 and sort of disappeared uh, from baseball, but I did manage to find him and get him to sign a card. So that, that was a big one off the list. Those are actually my first two years in the Milwaukee Brewers organization as well. As I started hey. <laughs> as the Milwaukee Brewers <laughs> back in the 1999 spring training and then worked uh, 20, or two th the year 2000 at, at Coney Stadium. So, all right. That's great. Um, sounds good. All right. Well, stay classy, Wisconsin, and go Brewers. Go Brewers. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Chad. Do, 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 do.